Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Bloom and Tell podcast. In today's episode, you are going to hear the chat between me and my friend Lisa. If you follow me over on YouTube, you would have definitely heard me mention Lisa's name in many a videos now. Lisa is a makeup artist based here in the southwest of England, and she does makeup for some of the biggest, best brands, fashion weeks, you name it. Now, although Lisa and I have quite a different aesthetic, One of the reasons why I wanted to speak to Lisa today is the way that she applies makeup is just so flawless, effortless, and she really is an expert in that no makeup makeup look. And if you're on a level up journey like myself and you're trying to be a little bit more elegant, you know that having makeup that looks like it is caked on isn't going to be the look that makes you look the most refined. And so I really wanted to have a conversation with Lisa today that talked all about her makeup tips and tricks and how we can implement some of these things to not necessarily have more makeup, but to have better makeup. Now you're also going to get to hear me and Lisa talk a little bit about the content creation industry because obviously that is also a part of what we do for a living, but I think overall you will learn a lot about makeup in this episode and then just get to be a fly on the wall for the other aspects of what we do if you aren't a content creator. So I would love if you grabbed a cup of tea, this is probably one of my longest episodes yet, and just joined us for this conversation. Welcome to Bloom and Tell where we celebrate beauty, honor femininity, and getting creative is a daily necessity instead of a luxury. So join me, grab a cup of tea, head out into the garden, take a deep breath in, relax, and let's slow down. Join me, your host, Nicole, while I share just how I'm blooming where I'm planted and how I'm growing where I need to grow and how you can do so too. When we learn to bloom, let's share with others how they can do so too. Let's bloom and tell. All right, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me here for this episode of the podcast, all about makeup. I love, I said this to to Rob and I'm going to say this to you. Both of you have come onto this podcast without me even prepping you for what I'm going to be asking you. And it just tells me you have so much faith in me. Yes, yes. Well, you know, we kind of know each other, don't we? Yeah, we do. We can talk. We can can send a voice note, can't we? Oh, that we can. What's our longest voice note to date? Probably like... I mean, mine are probably longer than yours, which is so embarrassing. I could talk. (laughs) I mean, I think there's been like 15 minute ones, I I feel. I think there was a 20. And then you were like, oh, 20 minute voice note. This is a big one. And I was like, Nicole, shorten these. (laughs) (laughs) need to like chapter you know like index (laughs) yeah totally well today I wanted to have a conversation with with you about how we can have better makeup but not necessarily more makeup yeah the same thing that I said to Rob I'm going to say to you is that I am not naive to the fact that you have a lot of makeup I have seen your beauty room (laughs) but I also know that you do this as a profession. And so I know that you have a lot in your kit, but I also Mm -hmm. think that if people are trying to achieve a certain look, they don't necessarily need a million and one products. They need a few core products that can really take them far. And one of the things that I'm always I mean, if you watch every one of my YouTube videos, you would probably hear me always shout you out because whenever I'm talking about makeup, I refer to you and I say how 
I love the way that you do makeup when you are on set with people, because it is such a natural, but Mm. polished, like glow. And it's like, you know how people used to say, like, I woke up like this. I feel like you do makeup on people the way that they would want to be like, oh, I just woke up like this. Like, it doesn't ever look like painted on. It doesn't look like, it's just, it's amazing. And I think that it is, you know, me, I'm on a little bit of a level up journey and I'm trying to polish myself and refine myself. And I'm really learning that the more natural looking my makeup is, the more elegant and refined and polished that I come across. But I've also learned it is so, that no makeup makeup look is actually quite hard. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like, it's easier to paint it on. So exactly. Tell us your tips. So doing that no makeup makeup is so precise. Think of it like paint by numbers. So for example, when I'm looking at any face, I'm really analyzing, taking that face in, and I'm, you know, when I'm doing moisturizer, I'm feeling that bone structure. I'm kind of taking all this information in and I'm looking and going, right, okay, here is a little bit of dullness. We need to brighten, you know, almost like zoning it. So think of it like that. You've got the face, it's almost mapped out in your mind. It's really hard to like explain in kind of plain English. And you're just looking you know, this is in my kind of like flow of makeup. So there's no brief or anything. Mm -hmm. And all I'm looking to do is really even out skin tone, celebrate, you know, the natural features within that face and really just utilize the tones that are within the skin or really harmonize within the skin just to make it look elevated, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, that can mean having say like, one generic kind of foundation that can maybe mean having two concealers a lot of Mm. the time because you know the tones are so different say around the eyes to maybe around the nose or like a blemish yeah so it's just and you know when you start doing it yet it it takes time yeah once you know what you're doing it's like driving and changing gear you just know where you're going you know you're just like yeah Yep, here we go, done. But here's you know? the thing. Some of us, aka if you're listening to this and you're in North America, I want to know how many people in North America drive standard. We don't do manual in North America. So, you know, it might seem like okay. common practice for you over sure. here in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, think of it like, say you're, you're driving to somewhere that you always go, whether it's work, somewhere on a regular routine, whether it's the gas station. And you turn up, they like, how, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. that. Autopilot. It, yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we totally, I mean, I totally got ahead of myself and just so excited to talk to you today that I, I'm going to have an intro that they would have all heard about you, but I want to hear in your own words about your journey, how you got started and a bit about what you do. Okay. So if you go back in time, we're in a time machine. Okay. Back in the 90s. Yep. Lisa's a teenager. And I was quite like tomboy-esque, you know. Mm-hmm. I was really into rock music. 
I was in those really, really baggy jeans with straggly bits at the end. And I was in hoodies, Mm. you know, makeup for me. And it was such a different period of time. You didn't have all the references that you had now. You didn't have social media. Yeah. Really. Internet was still very new. And there's this thing called dial up, you know, it made that (laughs) alien noise um, when you joined. And it was, you know, the internet was a luxury and a lot of it was just type, you know, pictures didn't exist. And I've always naturally been a very creative person. So, you know, you had the occasional magazine that would be like one to four steps on how to create a blur eye, you know, say it'd be like friends, friend, you know, the Rachel eye, the Monica eye, whatever. Yeah. And so I was never a big makeup wearer and I always had like good skin. Mm -hmm. And a thing I always used to do was wear the Barry M like one of the dusts in like a fuchsia pink, obviously not to school or anything, but that was like Mm. my thing, that Mm. and like black eyeliner. Mm. I do have pictures somewhere I can send you. Yes, please. (laughs) Obviously with the skinny eyebrow. And what was really interesting is that um, I also went to a boarding school. Mm. So from Monday, you know, to Friday, I was living amongst friends. Yeah. And, you know, Mac was like the thing that oh, so was it cool. ever? Oh, my gosh. Amazing Canadian brand. Mm. And, you know, we'd have that lip gloss and we'd all like, wow, look at that color. I think what was it called? Lust was like a color. Mm. See, I was more of a lip glass kind of girl. Well, the, like, it was a lip glass. Yeah. It was a lip- but just oh, like just the clear one. Clear? That was yeah. it. That was it's it. It's still an iconic product. It's yeah. <laughs> And weirdly enough, like, you know, all these things kind of come to you. Like, I know I've just been doing a lot of reflecting, obviously, pandemic. We've had a bit of time on our hands. Haven't we? And I remember like mixing, getting a lip balm and putting like dust pigments. Yes. Like, really thin, weren't they? Just loose pigments. Uh-huh. And I remember always pouring in to my lip balm to make a custom kind of like Heather Shimmer type. I mean, it Ooh, wasn't that. cute. Yeah. But, you know, I had a thing and I loved like pearlescent things so had you told me that that teenage girl was going to be a makeup artist I think I'd have laughed in your face because I I didn't really know what I wanted to do I was thinking maybe something along the arts I was into art and drama Mm -hmm. so I thought okay maybe like I don't know graphic design something like that and then fast forward to I left London to go to uni in Bath Spa and I was working in nightclubs and I was like, I don't want to work in nightclubs no more. I want to be at the party, not like working them, right? Then I saw that benefits in Jolly's Bath were recruiting. So I went up and if you don't know me, like I, I now have a lot of tattoos, like. Just one or two, one or two. Just one or two. <laughs> Big ones. And um, back in the day, I, I didn't have as many. They were fairly subtle and I had like um, a nose piercing as well. Mm-hmm. And at the time that was really like, no, no, you can't work in beauty. In beauty, you kind of have to be quite plain or and very done up, you know, yeah. Yeah. like that air hostess kind of vibe, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're, are you ever familiar with benefit interviews? No. Oh, right. So you go to counter and you have to do something called traffic stopping. 
So you're going around a store and you're trying to recruit customers to sit, get a bum in a seat and put product on them. That's the benefit way. Okay. Demo, demo, demo. So it's very kind of hardcore, you know. Mm. And I back then, believe it or not, I'm quite a shy person, quite naturally. Like I'm an introverted extrovert, I guess. Mm. Yep. And yeah, that was kind of my journey to it. And they didn't want to, rec- well, the store manager, department manager didn't want to recruit me because of how I looked. Right. And, you know, so I had to do this interview quite a few times before they trusted and believed that right. I was, I had that people skill and I liked making people feel good and the artistic side. And, and that was it. That was my way in, that was my first ever job in makeup back in, I know, like 16 years ago now in jollies time flies doesn't it it really does <laughs> it just makes you feel so old I know I know you and I are a similar age so I totally totally yeah. get it um so what do you do now like obviously I know what you do now but maybe you can tell the listeners what you do for makeup now is it like your I'm going clubbing type of makeup or is it something a bit more refined yeah so what I never realized is when I got a job on counter that actually you could do makeup for so many more things. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, campaign work. So that's the kind of, I'm a freelance makeup artist now and no two days are the same. Yeah. So that can look like doing makeup for um, a campaign. So it could be someone selling an apple, for yeah. example item and you're doing kind of makeup for people in that campaign and it's about it's a really collaborative environment so you're working with a brand you're working to a brief so you have to kind of help steer that um, conversation obviously being a professional makeup artist it's about having the skill set to um work on every skin tone as well. I believe mm-hmm. you're not a professional makeup artist if you can just do your own face because mm-hmm. you don't have the skill set. And I think, you know, your kit reflects um, being accessible to everyone. Right. Which I think is so, so important. Um, so yeah, I do makeup for people for like private events. So whether it's a wedding, you know, I've done London Fashion Week, I've done BAFTAs, I've done celebrities. It is a really really mixed bag and it, in more recent years I've been also been doing content creation so kind of I guess sharing the behind the scenes of how you create that look mm-hmm. in a more um, real way because obviously those things sound really fancy and a lot of the time they're quite natural looking like you said that kind of I just woke up like this yeah yeah I love it I it's always amazing because I'll just like pop onto your stories and I'm like oh you're with that person okay just your average like Tuesday (laughs) you know and it's such a amazing thing to see the crossover between the two worlds and bringing it back to the content creation aspect earlier you said that you used to be into art and drama do you feel Mm -hmm. like that interest or that hobby gets to play part into your content creation with your makeup artistry a thousand percent Mm -hmm. it's really funny because when I was I don't know back in primary school so elementary whatever you call that yeah across the pond (laughs) I think that's right elementary yeah elementary yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. um there was a competition uh, on the Disney show to be a presenter 
And I kind of forgotten this memory and like I entered it to, I, I didn't win, obviously. Well, you might not know that. I yeah, yeah, that. maybe. In the face of, you know, no clue. <laughs> um, so obviously it was something that was always really interesting to me to kind of, I've always just really enjoyed um, connecting and networking with people and just having a conversation and pulling in that creative element. And I think that, so having that, social media platform content creator whatever you want to call it expert creator I don't know yeah well there's a new there's a new genre coming being mm. being incubated yeah and that's where I am and I love it and it's yeah. great it's amazing because I didn't know about the drama I mean I figured art just because mm-hmm. I know who you are but I didn't know about the drama aspect and I can say I feel like I've watched you get on TikTok with a lot more ease than other people because of that drama interest mm-hmm. and background. And so mm-hmm. it's it's amazing now knowing you personally and now kind of hearing you talk professionally, how I can mm-hmm. see those two words, world, sorry, um, coincide. So that's really, really cool. Now, another thing that I just took note of is as I've kind of already touched on, or some of the listeners that, you know, know me personally, they will know that I'm on a level up journey and I'm trying to be as polished and refined as I personally can. And it brings me back to what you said about the interview and how they didn't really give you an extra chance or a first chance based off of the way that you were presenting yourself. But don't you think that we can really be polished regardless of the style that we have, because yes, you have more, you are covered in tattoos. (laughs) You have more of an alternative look, but girl, I did not forget the way that you showed up to Rob's engagement party with your (laughs) two piece suit and just super glam. And so do you think that there is a way that you can, level up and still maintain an elegance and a refinement but even present in a more alternative way or in a I'm trying to think of any other style but I think you get what I mean do you think that that's possible totally totally and that's where I I guess I personally as an individual kind of um struggle isn't the right word but I don't really fit into one category. The way I see fashion, the way I see makeup, you know, any element you can put on yourself and is really a, a wardrobe. It's a wardrobe of beauty and there's options. And I think it's about being true to yourself and then being able to elevate that with, you know, whatever the occasion is. Because a yeah. lot of the time it's more than just, you know, a lot of the time you could be wearing the same makeup. Like I've just got a really fresh skin on and I've, you know, I've been at work. My brows are brushed, a light bit of mm-hmm. lipstick. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in a jumper, a lilac jumper, casual, a bit of gold jewelry, bun mm-hmm. up, you know, but then I could put on a really low cut front dress, mm-hmm. you know, balm up the body so it matches that facial glow yeah. and yeah. hair be all down Hollywood waves and it would still work. Yeah. So it's kind of just, yeah, it's so, it's about dialing it up and down, but I think it's being true to yourself, whatever that is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Is the question or have I gone off? No, 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 no. You totally answered the question, the fact that it is doable. And one of the things that I'm getting 
every day from my audience is, is that they actually enjoy seeing that I'm a real girl and a real life person on her level up journey. Because I think that it's not about just showing like the authentic aspect of it, but it's very easy to say, okay, I'm going to level up and I'm going to be Miss Elegant and Poise and all of this and go take my pictures in front of a hotel. But that's not relatable to the people that are watching it. And so I think that there's small little choices that we can make that still honors our own personal style, but that allows us to refine ourselves in just that tiny bit more in the day to day. And I do think that in 2022, we are getting a little bit more inclusive for understanding that just because someone has tattoos doesn't mean that we should judge them on that. They can still be polished or they can still do a job or they can still be academic Mm -hmm. and not necessarily look the stereotype of that because there's such few people that are walking the the world in that stereotype that Mm. You're, you're fooling yourself if you think that that's only what these people look like. And you and I kind of touched on this with the whole inventing Anna um, Netflix series is that she wasn't necessarily somebody that was the most gorgeous or what people would think is a socialite is, but she presented herself in a few key ways that still duped a lot of people. Now I'm not promoting to go dupe anybody, But (laughs) it just kind of shows you that you need to, one, we shouldn't be judging people based off of like the way that they look solely, but also looks do play a part. And when we learn to dial up certain areas or elevate, as you said, certain areas, we will be able to, to then look the part as well when necessary. And I think sort of going back to that um, inventing Anna point as well, is that when you are truly authentic to you or what you want to be, let's say, um, you know, Madonna, if we think of these huge celebrity icons, they sort of have a look that they stick with, say for a whole kind of season or tour, and then they'll change it up depending on, you know, that is them putting on their superhero cape to be that, representation of what they are in that season of their life right Mm -hmm. and that is what is really inspiring and also really infectious and that's what people like then aspire to be Mm. you know people then want a slice of that it's so interesting yeah yeah I think I've definitely observed that I think for me the the more I get on in life the more I'm taking a more traditional and like classic approach because your girl has a lot of things to pay for. We need an extension. We like, there's so many things that we need to like get done. And updating my wardrobe is not one of them if it's not necessary. And so that's where I've kind of been assessing, right, okay, what is something that is like always like looking good or not necessarily on trend? I'm I'm bumbling over my words because I wanted to say on trend, but yeah, more classics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a time and a place for reinventing yourself. But I also one of the things I was going to write down to come back to is I often feel like sometimes with those people that we look to like that, it's also a lot of marketing because you couldn't just come out with the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's it's amazing that we live in a world where both places can exist Mm -hmm. and thrive. 
So and I think going back to that point of just editing yeah. real quickly is that, you know, so many of us are trying to be more sustainable. Yeah. And that's hard because of the marketing. And there's no shame in um, wearing a piece that you've had 10 years and that you genuinely love and you take care of. Like, and that's a lot of my fashion that I wear is, you know, I have the occasional pieces I'll buy here and then, but I'm not someone to do an ASOS order like every week of, you know, 200 quids worth of stuff for something that I'm never really going to wear, you know, mm. like I would rather something like think about what's in my wardrobe and kind of, you know, have the option to play. Mm. Mm. I think that comes with age as well, don't you? Because when I was younger and I was going out all the time, that was me. I, I could not. My rule was I couldn't wear an item of clothing more than once in a year. So I would circle back to these items and I had a ton of stuff in my wardrobe, but I think it was just because I was going out. We were always taking pictures and yeah, but it was so silly. Whereas now I've got a 10 item wardrobe (laughs) and I cycle through that. And even this, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a classic oatmeal colored sweater that I've got on. And how many classic oatmeal color sweaters do I need? And Mm -hmm. the material of it is, you know, I don't want to say it bobbles, but it is something that even if it did bobble, it would still look like it's a part of the sweater. So why I don't have a need to go get something that is similar to this right now when this is serving me. Right. So the next question that I have for you is, you know, I know you touched on a little bit on what the expectations for Mm -hmm. makeup artistry is for you. And one of the things that always sticks out to me from when we first met is I remember suggesting using the term MUA because it was shorter Mm -hmm. in your Instagram bio section. And so we could get more words in and you were like, but I'm a makeup artist and makeup artists don't say MUA. And I just thought that it would be nice to hear you talk about the difference in that Mm -hmm. because Definitely. Ever since you pointed that out, I was like, oh yes, that is MUA makeup and that is makeup artist makeup. And going back to the theme of this season where we're talking about better makeup and not necessarily more makeup, I think when people can learn to, obviously everyone has their own personal style, but I think sometimes people's personal style for things is actually their untrained eye to things. And then when they have the education, they can make better decisions, not necessarily more decisions. So could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, I think ever since the rise of social media and accessibility, like how amazing is it that YouTube has opened this world where you can have some of the world's best makeup artists, makeup enthusiasts, all this stuff you know, in your bedroom, you can be sat in bed with your makeup in front of you and have a play along or or whatnot. It is phenomenal. The amount of information out there is amazing. However, the one key um, disconnection, I guess, with that is the fact that when you're watching something, a lot of the time that person isn't going to mirror you and your features and everything else around it. So, you know, 
they might be doing makeup on a really fair skin, let's say. So you think, oh, cool, I'll buy that shade too. And then you try it on a deeper skin tone. And you're like, whoa, that's actually... No, 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 yeah. Hell. You know, like, oh gosh, that looked bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's not cool. Yeah. And then, you know, same with like eye shapes. So like if you have, say, a really hooded eye and they're constantly doing makeup on this kind of very model-esque, big, huge lid space eye... Well, that's super frustrating because you mm-hmm. think, and I think it can fall into you feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not pretty or beautiful mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. I don't fit in. And I think that's the kind of danger with that. But that's where I feel like a lot of, you know, the whole influencer, the whole MUA kind of culture really comes into play because there'll be someone that has been, you know, just really enjoyed sharing their process of what they do and you know that's their traction has picked up on that you know you might have connected with that person that is creating that content because they have similar features to you and you know colorings and all that kind of stuff but still a lot of the time there will be elements that won't be the same as well and I think also people say who are generically an MUA so let's say an MUA is someone that is like a hobbyist makeup artist who is amazing at doing their own makeup. Um, and that's kind of it. It's very cookie cutter. Yeah. There's generally not a lot of variety within what they do. It might be different colors, but it's generally the same thing again. And whilst a makeup artist is really, I don't know, they can really flex up what they do. They can really... Yeah recreate you know I would struggle to recreate some of the MUA looks because it almost goes against all of my gut instinct of kind of coverage and just the amount of everything and it's yeah. quite <laughs> a lot of the times like why do you need a quarter of a bottle of foundation that is yeah. 50 quid yeah. on your face is beyond me yeah. So it comes from very different schools. And do you know what? Neither's right, neither's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's all down to personal taste. But I can feel a lot of, you know, and we can all have an opinion in that and discuss that. And I feel that makeup artists, generally speaking, in that true kind of profession, will look at the individual and really, you know, it will be a discussion between the, say it's like a private client. Say yeah. if I was doing makeup, it would be yeah. about, well, tailoring all those products to you your skin type the mm-hmm. colors you really like the colors you're not keen on and you you really create a very bespoke custom look to you mm-hmm. and that is the beauty of it you're not necessarily your goal isn't to cover every single pore and just make you look like this weird filtered totally. unrealistic version of yourself totally. although you know it's it's fun to play like that's the kind of this whole, you know, there's just so many wild things out there, like these crazy hacks that MUAs do. And you're like, use a hacksaw to like hold up. <laughs> you're like, who, like, what? I don't know. It's just, I think some of it is very clickbaity. Yeah, I was going to say it's like the pattern interrupt that yeah. people are trying to get views with, but from a professional standpoint, it's just like, you can't, it has no integrity to it, does it? No, no, no. So yeah, that's kind of where, where 
where you kind of decipher between the two. One of the things I wrote down while you were talking, while you were talking, sorry, is that this is how I often bring you up in my content is say I am doing a makeup video. I am, well, I have a makeup artist certificate, but am I a makeup artist? Absolutely not because it is an art, right? And whenever I bring you up, I bring up the masterclasses that you often host because say someone, obviously it would be best for you to get in front of these people in real life. But the beauty of the internet is you can find someone online. And if you like their style of doing makeup, you can book in for a one-to-one with that person and have an interactive experience, even if it is virtually and the masterclasses that I attended of yours, I learned so much. And I think with that interactive experience, when you are seeing how those people are applying their makeup, you can then give them that feedback. Like how you were saying, when someone just watches a tutorial on YouTube, that's great, but it's really only a starting point. Sure. hundred percent. And I think so many people, like if I think back to my time on Mac counters, So we used to have Saturdays where we'd do a theme day. Everyone wore the same look, you know, but we had people with different skin tones with different hair colors, all sorts. And it'd be funny. They'd be like, I, this customer would come up to you and be like, I want her lipstick. I was like, oh yeah, that's what I'm wearing too. They're like, no, 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 I want her lips. And it's like, Mm. I promise you. It's the same. (laughs) Same. It's the same. And one product can look so diverse because of, so many things how your skin reacts to color whether you've got a warm or neutral cool undertone in your skin like it's really mind-blowing and it's so geeky like when it comes down to it and at the end of the day it's what you like yeah you know I might not love you in a bright blue eyeshadow Mm. I'm not gonna lose sleep over it you love it that is cool totally you know Totally. So I feel like we've already touched on this, but if there's anything more that you wanted to say, but is there, I mean, I I would obviously think that there is a difference, but between the makeup that you do on sets when you're creating that glowy, fresh look and weddings, do you find people like a little bit more drama for their weddings? Or do you find that people, when they're coming to you, if they're booking you for something, Uh, like to be on set to do makeup or whether they are booking you for their wedding, it's because they can see your specific aesthetic and style or is there a difference between the two? So yes, I think there's a common theme in terms of aesthetic, but what those journeys look like in getting there looks a little different. Because let's say wedding, you want that makeup to stay on for a good 12 to 18 hours right yeah like that needs to be okay you're gonna have to touch up the lip and that's right. about it well say on set so it depends what on set so let's say if it's a job it's a normal kind of commercial client where you're doing a lookbook so let's say you've got a jewelry client and they've got 100 pieces to shoot a lot of the time you will be manipulating that makeup to create kind of three to five different makeup right. looks so longevity isn't really an issue Right. You know, because you're going to be changing and constantly touching. So you don't want it to be set. Caked set. in. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Because if you're caked in from the get-go, yeah. touching, you know, we've all done it where we've got a bit heavy with our foundation and you look at yourself halfway throughout the day and you can't really fix it. Yeah. Or it's really difficult to fix. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's different if you're on, say, a film set or a TV set. Of because, course. you know, that you do want longevity, but I think trends are changing within that world too as well, where traditional a lot of traditional tv and film makeup artists will be very you know heavy a lot on whilst we're seeing more that euphoria vibe even yeah. like the new batman films like there's a lot more beautiful even bridgerton like the makeup's stunning in it and yeah. it's not like heavy, heavy you know so that's my answer okay amazing so bringing it back to the theme of this season better, not more. What is, I'm, I'm like Canadian accent, better. <laughs> what is better. better makeup mean to you? Like, what would that, if you were like, yeah, like that was like really amazing makeup. What would that look like? What that, what would that feel like? What would that, what would you be pinpointing when you saw that? Well, I think a lot of it really starts with getting your skin right. That's why I'm an absolute skincare geek. But once again, what my daily routine of make uh, skincare looks like versus what goes in my kit is very different because I'm not going to be using highly active products in my makeup kit because yeah. that's too much of a risk. Yeah. You know, so if I'm thinking more kind of um, day to day, let's take like all the actives and the results of what you want to do. You know, maybe listen to Rob's episode. Yeah. <laughs> shameless plug for you there but um you know really understand your skin and that's where it comes from but in real generic speak when you start your makeup you want to start on a clean base Mm -hmm. exfoliate that skin get rid of any dry bits you know now we're in we're almost in april aren't we so the weather is a bit Jacqueline Hyde at the moment, yeah. freezing one minute, hot the next, yeah. heat is on, you know, so you're getting real dryness, say around the brows, around the nose, the lips. So really exfoliate those areas, hydrate the skin to whatever level, you know, hyaluronic acid, for example, is amazing on normal to dry to really oily skin as well. But if you're mm. on the oilier side, you're going to need a little bit more help, a bit more emollients and a bit yeah. more, you know, slightly, I guess, thicker feeling product. Yeah. And to me, the whole, um, is it better you? Is that the term? Better, what, did, what was the term? term you said? Oh, for the, for the season of the podcast? Yeah. Better, not more. Okay. So for better, not more, um, it, you know, a lightweight kind of base of a foundation. And we're seeing that a lot in foundation launches. I don't know if mm. you've noticed that at the moment. Every, fa- every other foundation that's coming out is like, your skin, but better kind of, yeah. you know, that's it. Yeah. Cosmetic easy strap line, but it really is infusing that skincare and yeah. makeup. Together. Um, I think because of this whole lockdown period, people have been so used to seeing themselves with no makeup on zoom or whatever. Yeah. They just want kind of more natural glowing base. Totally. A good, a good concealer, like everyone needs a good concealer, you know, to brighten up around the mm-hmm. eye to just kind of, awaken yourself yeah I think concealer is one of the most underrated products in a makeup bag and probably what I see the least in people's makeup bags 
They'll have a foundation, but not a concealer. Mm. Really interesting, really interesting. And I think I see a lot of people use a concealer that's like far too pale mm. and almost very gray. And like just try, they literally look like raccoons, like, but uh, inverted raccoon probably. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I get it. The whole Kim K, like, do a massive triangle yeah. under the eye, but it's so, as you said, like, your area of expertise is to be an artist and look at the face holistically. Whereas I feel like a lot of people with many things in life, we could probably start a different podcast episode with filler, with makeup, with skincare. It is such a systematic approach to it, as opposed to looking at the face as a holistic whole. And yeah, I think you can really see that with concealer it is probably concealer and foundation are the, the two things that I've noticed. Well, well, maybe not. <laughs> I was going to say two concealer and foundation are the two things that you can notice when someone really gets wrong, gets, gets it wrong, but eyeliner, contour, brows, brows I guess I'll add to yeah. There's brows, a lot of things. I said. <laughs> yeah. I retract the statement. The statement. <laughs> I, I accept that. Um, you've kind of, answered a little bit of what my next question is and it's it was to ask you about your top five products for better makeup so I know you just went off on some of the products that are obviously you can't recommend just one because people have different needs different textures different colors but I think what I heard there was to have skincare or makeup products that are infusing that element of skincare in it is that correct Mm mm-hmm Okay. So we've got that and then concealer. What are three Mm -hmm. other products that you think will really help someone to have better makeup, but keep their, their kit kind of refined? Yeah. So what's really funny is actually I've got my makeup bag from when I went away to London and it looks probably fuller than what it is because it's got Mm -hmm. like hair stuff and deodorant and stuff in it, but it's a real edit of products and right. makeup There's like not a huge amount of things in there and what I'm a huge fan of especially when I'm traveling light is multi-use products so and it depends on what your thing is you know some people aren't bothered by a brow or like if they have their brows microbladed that's an element they don't need to worry about but I think a really good brow gel is always everyone's best friend. So whether that's a clear or tinted, depending on your brows, is a huge, huge um, thing. And then uh, blush. So adding color to the face. Um, but you can be really inventive how you do that. That could be your lipstick, mm-hmm. you know, applied to the lips and the blush. Mm-hmm. In my favorite little trick that I do yes. kind of applying it to the heel of my hand, smushing the product together, warming up, getting rid of those edges, aligning it with the pupil and the nostril and working up on quite a lifted shape and your hands fit your face perfectly. The, the, the geometry or whatever of that mm. just works. Yeah. So well. have you ever tried that trick yet? I've seen you do it, but like, I hate getting my hands dirty. So like, okay. yeah. It's a no from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. I will try it at yeah. some point. Okay. But then it's also like one of those things where when you typically apply with a brush and you don't necessarily feel the most confident with a new technique, it's like, I better have the time in my schedule today that if this goes wrong, (laughs) I can redo my base, but I have seen you do it. And I love the way that it 
flaw it flawlessly applies like a flush it doesn't even look like yeah yeah just like well, a flush from within. really important because what I see a lot of people and actually when I started out in makeup um blusher was one of the things that I personally found really really challenging in terms of placement on people's mm-hmm. faces Mm-hmm. And when I learned this trick, I was like, wow, this just makes it so easy because it almost hits that kind of real edge of the cheekbone and just puts it up. But because you're rubbing that product, especially mm-hmm. say with a cream blush or even with a powder, you know, people just apply like a heavy amount mm-hmm. and then it's very Aunt Sally and like yeah. clowning, right? But because you're shearing that product out and warming it up, it, it allows you to manipulate it really, really well. Um, so how many products have I got left? One or two? I think you've got one because you said concealer and then you said brow, like a See brow the gel. And then there yeah. was uh, like skincare that, or sorry, foundation products. You didn't specifically say one, but you said products that have skincare infused into it. But I'm assuming you meant foundation or so with that. Yeah, you could you foundation, you yeah. know. Um, and then and you said then blush. Blush. And then it would be a toss up depending on what you need. Yeah. So I've got quite dark lashes. So sometimes I can skip mascara and just give them a really good curl. Yeah. So curling or pick up a curling mascara, you know, one that really holds, really separates. And I think to me, that is the essence from having worked hundreds of fashion week shows 99% of the time that is the makeup we will do you know barely their skin it's it's not quite raw it's a little done it's healthy it's um you know juicy kind of looking it's got a gorgeous flush fresh eyes done amazing I always loved that look but I'm someone has, who has a lot of hyperpigmentation. And so when I was younger and I did like those looks, I was like, well, that can never be me because my skin is terrible. And then now as I'm getting my skin a little bit better, I honestly use one pump of foundation on my face and I'm able to sheer it out quite a lot that it just gives me like an even base. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice. Like the no kind of makeup, makeup look. But I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this today is because one, I noticed that always with the looks that you create, but then also from my days of being a hairstylist, I learned that the more elegant and like kind of really minimal hairstyles were the hardest ones, the easiest ones where it's like, Ooh, I'm going to pin everything up and call it boho (laughs) because it's like, you can just mash everything together and hide every error. And it's amazing to see that same vein come through with makeup is that when you're you're looking to have that kind of fresh glow that's actually the thing that took the most technical skill yeah totally because there's a fine line of doing that glow and looking like you've been out dogs for hours or been at the gym or a sauna so my greatest tips for that is if you kind of you know, hold your fingers in kind of like a triangle shape. Yeah. And just think, generally speaking, that area is naturally where you get most shine in that kind of triangle. So from the forehead, between the brows, the sides of the nose. So that's the area that you want to think about the product textures that you're using. Mm. 
But if you know you're really oily, go for something a bit more matte in that yeah, area yeah. or really powder in those areas. And don't highlight your, the tip of your nose because it's just <laughs> shiny. Totally. Okay? Totally. I say this in, in my YouTube videos, but I'm like, these highlights that people can see from space, like, is that a radar? Are you calling for like extraterrestrial help? Like, I don't, I don't understand it, but that's a podcast for a different, a different day, I think. So I wanted to slightly move as I'm wrapping up the last few questions into kind of more the networking and business aspect of things, because obviously you and I have connected through social media. Now we've become friends and It's been really interesting to hear some of the challenges that makeup artists have to deal with when it comes to social media. And earlier when you were talking about some of the aspects of your job, you you spoke about how you like to network with people and how that has been really cool with the either celebrities that you're meeting or the people that you're doing makeup for at these private events. And so I was really interested to hear what has your experience been like being a makeup artist and does having a social media following come into the mix of that? Because, you know, I heard you say that the way that you presented yourself when you were trying to get the job at benefit was something that was a challenge and holding you back until they looked at your skill first, but is this now something that we're seeing with social media followings and makeup artistry? I think it's a definite kind of love triangle of sorts because I do feel that, you know, if you've got the content out there, because that will bring you the kind of clients you want in, in whatever work you want. And obviously, if you've got those follower numbers behind you, then I think that allows for, you know, brand partnerships or particular people, again, to be attracted to what you do. It's a it's a real love triangle, isn't it, of yeah. how it all works. And I think it's about being authentic to you rather than thinking, like I think reverse engineer always. Think of what you want to get out of it is what you put in. Mm-hmm. Because social media, as we all know, um, requires a huge amount of effort behind the scenes. Yeah. In editing and curating what you want so reverse engineer it I would say to really put out there what you want if you're wondering well why is everyone coming to me for like eyeliner well if every post is eyeliner then that's probably gonna be why you know yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah, it's funny because you are always just leading into my next question so perfectly and so I wanted to know what has that been like uh so you're saying it does kind of matter to have a little bit of a social media following as a makeup artist it helps your work speak for itself especially when you know you could get booked for something in London but you live in the southwest of England right so it kind of works as that virtual digital portfolio but do you find that a lot of your work is coming in through networking at jobs or is it through networking with PRs or is it word of mouth? How has that networking experience kind of flowed between the two? So I think majority of my jobs are still word of mouth. Amazing. Through people recommending me. And I think that is always the most solid recommendation that you can always do and get. So yeah. I'm always really like honored by that. Um, 
you know, I've got a few friends that will always be booked through the work they do on social media. Yeah. And, you know, I do get inquiries and stuff like that. But, you know, you know what it's like being a business owner. If DMs come through about yeah. bookings, you're like, please email me because I yeah. cannot, I yeah. cannot keep up totally um, with that kind of element. And oh, I was going to say something else within all of that, but I'm sure and I think back to you. Not it's to not get bogged down, not to think, you know, at, at this current moment in time, I'm like nearly at 9k for yeah. this, nearly 100 mm-hmm. off. Yeah, of course, yeah. I check. And we all check, let's be real. <laughs> we all check. I'm joking, I'm joking. And you know, that's great. And that's don't think, oh man, I haven't got 100k. Don't think about what you haven't got, like work with what you've got. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just networking, like, and if you want something, just social media is phenomenal you've got all the tools at your fingertips utilize them don't bitch and moan at me that you're not getting the job and you're really annoyed like turn that energy have that moment have that biscuit with that cup of tea because you're really upset or you know Mm -hmm. that glass of wine (laughs) (laughs) i finished Mm -hmm. my journey but you know and talk to your friends talk to your fellow peers and really just you know what I did a huge amazing job that I can't talk about at the moment Uh this all started because I dm'd this very well-known person in the industry off the back of something last year and I've since worked with them you know on three occasions you just never know it's just the right time the right place and the more your network grows the more that kind of organically comes to you Uh and Social media is free. You can't yeah. expect it to just all happen for you because of that. Yeah. Like it's a tool. And back in the day, we used to have to carry a physical book, get your yeah. you know, spend hundreds of pounds getting your prints printed and posting them off or dropping them off, you know, physically mm-hmm. carrying them on the tube or whatever. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's, it's interesting. Cause one of the things I just wrote down is I've never looked at now there's an episode on this, this season of the podcast that's talking all about how we can network better. And it's the longest episode because networking is something that I'm so passionate about. And it's because I loathed it. I absolutely loathed it because networking is one of those things that you shouldn't know that someone's networking with you. It should be something that feels so seamless, so organic. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't pitch themselves, but I think that when people are pitching for just what they want, as opposed to the journey of the relationship that's going to come to get them to what they want, I think you can really feel that. You can, it's like, it's like when a guy just wants to sleep with you and you know it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone or a girl just wants to sleep with a guy. I shouldn't go both yeah. ways or a guy wants to sleep with a guy or a girl wants to sleep, whoever yeah, wants yeah. To sleep with whoever. Oh my goodness. This is a PC podcast, but um, I think everyone has felt that where they know that someone's just trying to get something out of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And when you were just talking about networking, one of the things I wrote down was how you networked with me. And I never felt that you were networking with me for anything. But one of the things that I appreciate in you, and I feel like it's, if I've noticed this, 
this also must be what gets you success with these networking relationships is you are someone that serves the person that you are trying to network with. So what do I mean by that? If I mentioned to you in passing, I'm looking for orchids, you two days later, a day later, will send me a resource about where to get orchids in my area. And I don't think that you are doing that with the ulterior ulterior motive of, oh, I'm going to solve this problem for Nicole. So she loves me. That's just who you are. And I would imagine that that level of service keeps you at the forefront of people's minds. And they, I think, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but we are all busy people, right? And I think it's very easy to, when someone new is trying to come into your life, if you don't have, if you don't make the time for it, it won't happen. But when someone is being such of service to you, I know I'm stumbling over my words, it makes you bring that person to the forefront of your mind and you're more willing to get to know that person. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think when you're networking, you have to really appreciate the fact that, you know, someone has to take time out their day to reply to you, to respond to you. Mm. And like that, and you're not the only one trying to get a hold of this person. Exactly. At the same time. So it's being really mindful, like, you know, I follow that uh, Gary Vee, and I think you Mm -hmm. do too. Yeah. yeah. So interesting and straight talking. And he, you know, he was saying something around kindness. Don't just say you're just a kind person, but I want something for it. Exactly. It's like, if you're going to do something, be really straight up with it. Yeah. You know, don't be like, Oh, let me give you a lift because you know we're gonna be uh, in the car for an hour, uh, me taking you to back uh-huh. to Bristol, and I'm gonna be there like so, Nicole. I was just yeah. wanting to pitch this idea and get you. You know, it's not about that at all. That doesn't mm-hmm. make it it has to be that authentic thing. And even like me contacting contacting that client, like that's taken like, you know, what are we from last summer? Like nine month yeah. 10 months yeah from first moment and it's just being respectful and just putting in the work just to know people but in a genuine way like everyone wants something out of something but it's about just being you yeah not yeah. trying to be someone else and I think for so long I tried to be that people pleaser that really just I don't know just what really what I love about the industry that I'm in and the people that I'm networking is they all really align with what I believe in and that is the key that's Mm. what I'm trying to say Mm. it's so funny because as you're writing that down or as you're saying that I'm writing down something that is basically asking you that question is that don't you find those who you have to make the effort and it doesn't feel like I genuinely want to talk to this person that is such an indication that you're trying to network with the wrong people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and that you takes should time to learn. Yeah. That takes time to learn as well. Cause you yeah. just think, Oh, cause sometimes we can think everyone's going around and gravitating to that person and they're doing all this stuff, but then that might not be the right fit. And if you look at people that are deemed successful, well, a lot of people, so whether that's financial or whether that's hitting a certain number of followers, whatever success means yeah. to you, it generally happens when people are in their forties. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. So there's time for us to bloom. <laughs> totally. Bloom and tell, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so bringing it back to the PRs, mm-hmm. one of the things, because I, I have a few makeup artist friends these days, yeah. that I hear is a little bit of a pain point is often because it hasn't been completely imperative for makeup artists to grow their social following although this is changing a little bit where they are not necessarily required to but Mm -hmm. it's just it's becoming an asset for makeup artists to have a following do you feel that there's a little bit of a pain point between when you're a makeup artist you know how to use these products but then you're watching influencers who have a following and they're just being thrown all this product that if it got into your hands as a makeup artist, you would be able to serve that product so much better. Do you find that that's a pain point with PRs or are they kind of leveling out and finding makeup artists to send these things to just as much as quote unquote influencers? Yeah, I do really agree with that. Um, And it's really funny. So traditionally how PR used to work with makeup artists is that you would get a credit for say a magazine feature or something. So let's say you have something in Vogue, you credit NARS in the thing, you would then be able to get five products. Yeah. You know, that's traditionally Mm -hmm. how it's worked. And I've always found it really, really bizarre that skincare PR comes in like a tidal wave and you know so I'm surrounded by by a kingdom of skincare yeah. around me <laughs> which I'm not complaining however I have one face and I'm very restricted with what I can actually utilize and use yeah. in yeah. my kit for example and I only have one face that's a really tricky thing and at the end of the day like as much as I know about skin and touch thousands of people's faces throughout you know I never deem myself a skin expert. You know, it's it's a really fine line. So it is super frustrating when, you know, you're seeing people being sent, you know, they might be, say, my skin tone, yet they're being sent every single shade range, you know, within a product. And it just seems really wasteful, like, mm. you know, in terms of consumership. And I don't know, I... I it's something that I'm still, you know, I'm building relationships with PRs and mm. it's a really, really hard thing to, to do. And I'm, you know, I'm doing it and I'm building it. And I'm, and I think what's really important for me in terms of makeup artistry and online presence is that, you know, I really want to educate a consumer on how they can use a product or inspire them to create yeah. that aspirational yeah. content. Um so it just seems really, it's it's frustrating. Yeah. Why do you think that that is? Because that, that's one of the things that I've noticed. Now, I've, you know, I haven't mentioned this on my Instagram account, but I've mentioned it on the podcast and in the previous episodes that I've just deleted almost all of my Instagram followers. And I felt that I could do that because I know how to grow an account. And now that I know my niche, I know how I want to show up here. I, I can do that. And But that's one of the things that surprised me is that I, when my account was at 53K, I was getting thrown everything my way, but yet my friends that are makeup artists that actually will use all of these products 
aren't getting it in this quantity. And even mm-hmm. if, okay, yes, followers, follower counts might be a little bit different, but I would think that wouldn't you want, like, on, honestly, I had, I was sent a package from NARS and they, they literally said in the email, they were like, oh, it doesn't matter if you post about it or not. And I was like, then why are you sending it to me? Yeah. Whereas there was someone else that we know was wanting to get on that PR list. And she was like, I've been begging them to send me some stuff. And she would have been able to use that appropriately in her kit. So yeah. do you think that there's a reason of why PRs are like this and like why there is a difference between skincare and makeup or you have no clue? I mean, I have my kind of theories and, you know, I don't really know tangible fact. I'd have to talk to multiple PRs and, you know, I have actually, now we can, I've been having face-to-face meeting PRs as well because I've been talking to them for two years, but actually meeting them physically, which is lovely. And they all have different goals and targets that they work to, you know, so it depends on what they want to achieve. Yeah. And I think it is like how traditional print is still the most highly regarded form of media. But when we know that actually the reach on that and the actual return on that is probably potentially minimal, you know, versus Mm. online targeted ads and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just think it's kind of turned into that's um, it's just now seen. It's a little bit, people are just riding on, I say the numbers wave in inverted yeah. commas. I think it's a little bit of laziness mm. as well and things needing to adapt because they're just, again, seeing, right, they've got 100,000 followers. Even if I hit 1% of that, that's like 10K. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. so. <laughs> like, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and it's it's wild, and I think it will change. Yeah. And I think it's just a real shame, because I do feel that, like, if this is your pie, it's still mainly going to an influencer, even if you're, like, you know, say a cleaning influencer you'll still get sent a mascara which is yeah. fine and yeah and I think that's really interesting as well how things are being more broad mm. like broadened it's not just in your niche the stuff you get but I think as a makeup artist it would it would just help so many makeup artists as well throughout this awful time we've had and the power of makeup artists is that when you're on set what's the most interesting thing apart from the job that you're doing it's your freaking makeup kit yeah, totally. Everyone comes up to you. Oh, my mum's looks like this. What would be a really good product for her to try? Oh, my wife's like this. What can mm-hmm. I, my daughter, you know, or the model? And they're like yeah. writing lists. And, you yeah. know, they've, you've sold a ground's worth of product on that set. Totally. No? Totally. Yeah, it boggles my mind to, to hear that and then also be on the opposite end of that where I'm like, why are you sent, like, to literally say an email, I don't need to post about this why send it to me yeah I just think it's not the most wise use of their budget and I have spoken to a few PRs recently who are saying they want to work more with makeup artists and I you know I feel like there needs there needs to be a bridged gap or like a you know yeah between the two Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that the pressure should be put on for a makeup artist to have to grow their account to that extent. 
And then mm-hmm. equally, I think that who are you ultimately looking to serve? Obviously mm-hmm. it's the consumer. And if it is the consumer, then wouldn't you want the product to be used in the most appropriate way? You know, yeah. it's so bizarre. Well, Lisa, last question for you is what's coming next from you? Obviously you're at that 9k. We're trying to get you to 10. <laughs> yeah. I know you have YouTube, but do you have anything else in the works that you would like to talk about? Well, I, you know, I've got my TikTok. I've got yes. back on the TikTok train yes. and I'm kind of really enjoying the, the rawness of that. And I would really encourage anyone that's a bit scared of it, like utilize that app whilst the organic reach is just insane. Like you're pretty much guaranteed at least 200, you know, views, mm-hmm. which just <laughs> super exciting because so many brands are looking at that too and I don't know what's exciting for me I want to do some more online masterclasses. I'd love to do one in real life as well so there's nothing in the pipeworks for that at the moment but I'm sure that something could um come to the forefront totally. of it. so you know I'm just open you know Amazing. I'm open and I'm excited I'm so glad to hear that and you're so right with like the whole organic reach of TikTok like especially TikTok YouTube shorts um idea pins on Pinterest like you are one pin or one TikTok or one reel or one shorts away from gosh knows what's next so I'm so excited to to see more of what you're up to if you just want to let people know where they can find you online I'll have it in the show notes but you can also Mm -hmm vocalize it yourself <laughs> okay well it's lisa calden Ugh, i can't even say my own name it's lisa caldonetto makeup on all platforms so whether on youtube you're on tiktok instagram get the spelling below people because i know it's a mouthful i know it's, and i also forgot to mention actually linkedin can be such a good tool for professionals as well wanting to yes. reach people and okay. i think that is something that I think what's really tricky, especially when you're quite a creative and Mm -hmm. the business side of my head kind of exists in a very different way to the kind of straight up business person. Yeah. And that's a place where more business things happen. So, you know. I'm going to do a whole season all about networking. And so I'll have to bring you back to talk about how you use LinkedIn as a makeup artist and how you can kind of, uh, really just thrive in your business acumen there as a, as a makeup artist. Cause I think there's so much to the online space that people, Oh, and, and we're going into a completely different topic here, but you know, the barrier to entry with the online world is so low. You just need yeah. a phone essentially. Right. And I think because that barrier to entry is so low, people forget that business acumen needs to be a part of the conversation if you are looking to go far in whatever niche or industry that you're in and so I would love to have you back to talk about that when that season comes out yeah amazing thank you for having oh thanks for coming girl I'll see you well I won't see you because this little one Lola had her surgery but we'll get something in the diary for nine nine days from now anyways my friends that is it for this episode what did you think 
Did you learn anything? Did you get to be a fly on the wall and hear all about the content creation industry? I hope you enjoyed this episode. And what I hope even more is if you went and checked Lisa out, her handles will be in the show notes of this podcast episode. But especially if you are someone that you're looking to refine your look, refine the way that you do makeup, I would highly urge you to just send Lisa a message and ask her if you can book in for one of her masterclasses or perhaps she can do a one-to-one session with you. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope I will see you again in the next one. Bye.